This morning, though, we are kicking off a new series called Growing Pains. And I'm really excited about this because uh, in life, we know that we go through physical stages of growth, and there's always pain associated with that. But sometimes I think we fail to realize that there is, there's growing pains that exist spiritually as well. And so what we've done is we've designed this series to try and help us identify what are some of the natural stages of growth that we go through in our faith, and what are some of the pains that we experience as we travel through them. And so by the end of this series, and we're going to have four weeks in this series, so if we don't touch on everything today, we'll get to it. Um, but what we want to be able to give you are the tools necessary to be able to make sure that you don't get stuck along the way. Because just like in growth, the only time we ever stop growing is when we're sick or malnourished or stunted, all right? And so what we want to be able to do is make sure that that doesn't happen in our spiritual faith. And so we've designed uh, what we're, what we're going to be doing in this series. But before I get into the message, I do want to open up in a word of prayer because that's just what I like to do uh, to calm myself down too. So let's pray. Dear God, we just uh, come before you right now. And Lord, I do pray that the words that you've laid up on my heart would be your words. God, use them to encourage us, uh, not discourage us. Lord, use them to convict us, not condemn us. Uh, Lord, use them to liberate us and not to shame us, Lord. I just pray that you would just use the words that you've given to me, God, that I would just be your mouthpiece. And God, that you would just uh, speak to each one of us, Lord. And whatever it is that we need to hear from you, Lord, use your word to speak to us today. And I just thank you for that. God, just uh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to learn more about you and grow in our faith and become a better reflection of who you are in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we look at our, as we look at our walk with Christ, there are some commonalities in our faith that no matter what journey you're on, no matter what stage of the faith you're in, there's commonalities in our journey. And so that's what I want to start with. I want to give you some groundwork. I want to give you a foundation that we're going to build this series on so that we don't offend you. Because some of the information I'm going to share could be offensive if you, don't take, if you take it out of context. But I don't, I don't want it to be offensive. And uh, so I want you to understand what these foundational principles are. But there is information that we do have to share. So um, what we, the groundwork that we're going to start with is, number one, is it not going to the stages that we're going through, the, the principles, all of us have to go through each of the stages that we're talking about. We have to go through the stages. You can't bypass one of these stages thinking, well, you're, you're just better than everybody else and you get to a free pass past it. That's just not how it works. So all the stages that we're going to be talking about in the next four weeks, you're going to have experienced or you will be experiencing them in the future. It's just how spiritual development works. So whatever stage you're in, there is no shame or condemnation, even if you've been stuck there for 40 years, we just want you to identify where you're at, all right? So everybody's got to go through it. The other thing is, we all process the stages differently and at different speeds, okay? So you, based upon your unique personality, based upon your, your giftness, giftedness, we are going to go through these processes and stages differently, even based upon just how much we receive the Word of God, how much we're willing to process the information that God gives us. What is our willingness to even yield to the control of God in our lives? And so just because uh, one, person, one person may take years to go through one stage, another one may take months. But the reality is no matter what speed you go through the stages in, you're still going to go through all the stages. And then the last foundational principle is this. These spiritual stages of growth are not dependent upon your actual age. You may be a 40-year-old in the physical realm, but you may be an infant in the spiritual realm, okay? And that's not, again, that's not a condemnation. It's just there for you to determine when we're done with this series, and, and even better on today, 
giving you the tools to be able to identify what stage of spiritual growth are you in as you walk through those doors this morning, okay? And that's all this is designed for to do, is to be a tool for you to use to be able to grow and mature in Christ, because we don't want you to get stuck. And that's what happens so many times in our faith, is along the way, something happens, and we grow content. It's been happening for thousands of years in the church. We have all kinds of scriptural evidence, and I'll be talking about that in a few minutes here, but uh, all throughout the history of the church, people have been getting stuck. We get to a certain level, so to speak, in our faith. We get to a certain stage, and then we're content to grow no more. We think we're okay. And that's not how God designed us. And one of the greatest passages that kind of give us uh, an example of this, I find in Hebrews, there's all kinds of them, but I love this one. Hebrews 5, starting at verse 11, says, We have much to say about this. And he's talking about maturing in the faith. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. That's that contentedness. But at some point in time in our faith, we don't try anymore. We're good. I'm good. I don't need anymore. I'm, I'm fine right where I'm at. Keep going. But in fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So in other words, he's setting the standard where the author of Hebrews is saying, you should be a teacher by this point in time in your faith. Keep going. But anyone who lives on milk is still an infant and is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. So he's identifying this idea even back already, the first church ever to exist after the resurrection of Jesus Christ struggled with the same thing that we struggle with continually 2,000 years later. It's no, so that's why there's no condemnation. Then he says, but solid food is for the mature. So we're moving from infancy to teacher, infant to adult, infant naive to mature. Okay, so we're, the goal is maturity. Who by constant use, they've trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Righteousness happens because we understand what the goodness of God is all about. We can only understand what good and evil is based upon the maturity. If we don't know good from evil, then according to Hebrews, we're still an infant. It's basically you are a baby. One of the passages, uh, translations even says you're still nursing on your mother's milk, all right? That's not a compliment, all right? It's challenging you, all right? If you are 40 years old, that would be weird, okay? So it's weird in the faith. If you're still a baby in the faith and you should be a teacher by now, it's just lopsided. You, there's something out of order in your life. And so this series is designed to help spur you on to growth, to realize you can move forward. You don't have to stay where you're at. There's, there's more to the faith than where you are, right? And then uh, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, and this is a letter to the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, right? He's, he's talking to believers. And I, and I give you these passages just to understand that as, we're, as we dive into this, there's no condemnation. Like, you are not... We are not, not you, me included, we are not unique in our struggle with this. The, the Church of America isn't the only church that's been falling apart and going to hell in a handbasket. The handbasket was made a long time ago, all right? So maturity is not something that we naturally gravitate towards. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. That's not a compliment. He's writing to the church. You, so uh, okay, I had to talk as though you belong to the world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. When we see that people's lives don't change, then it doesn't mean that they're not a Christian. It means if they say that they follow Christ and their life doesn't seem changed, then it means they're an infant in the faith, right? So as we go through this, you'll be able to see these correlations a little bit better. But it, again, it's just it's part of the process. 
He said, I had to feed you with milk, but not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger. Your stomach couldn't digest it. Your heart, your mind, your spirit couldn't digest the deeper truths of Christ. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. That doesn't happen in a church anymore, right? We don't have 264 denominations in America because we get along, do we? Right, all right. So doesn't that prove that you're still controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Okay, so this isn't, this isn't unique to our culture. This is something, divisions, factions, all these things have been happening for a really long time. But the goal is that we move past them. We move on to maturity, okay? And then the other passage I want to close on, and, and I love how Eugene Peterson writes this, all right? And if you don't know who Eugene Peterson is, he wrote the, uh, the paraphrase called The Message, and he wrote it to be able to help his kids understand the scriptures, uh, and I love how he worded this passage to give it to his children. And so if you parent to your children to remain children, then they're going to stay children. If you parent your children to become adults, then they're going to become adults. And so um, that's what I've always tried to do, and, and this is one of the examples. So uh, come on, let's leave these preschool finger painting exercises on Christ. All right? We don't post our finger painting pictures that we do when we're 40 years old on the refrigerator. Right? We save that for our kids when they're in preschool. All right, so let's leave those finger painting exercises and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. And look at what he said are basic. I love this because these basics, most churches don't ever get past. That means most churches are living in infancy. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning your trust in God. We do all kinds of self-help type deal things. Instead of relying upon God to continue to shape us and mold us, we think if we just have greater discipline, we can fix all these things. Okay, go on. Leave behind baptismal instructions. You know how many denominations divide simply over baptism? Leave behind laying on of hands. You know how many people divide over talking about laying on of hands and you don't do it right and you don't do it right and you take the word of God out? Poof. Leave behind resurrection of the dead. It's there, but stop making such, stop dividing and quarreling over it. And he says, and stop dividing over eternal judgment. Most churches can't even get past these, and he's, the author of Hebrews is saying, these are the foundational truths. God helping us, we'll stay true to all those. He's not saying get rid of them. He's saying that's the basic. If you're still on this and you can't get past this, he's saying you're an infant who still needs milk. You don't even know the deeper things of God because you can't even decide to get along with someone who baptizes differently than you do. You, does that make sense? And I'm not trying to dog you if you come from a different denomination or if you've left churches. I just want you to understand what's going on in your stages of spiritual growth. But there's so much more. So let's get on with it, he says. We were created. We are designed by our nature to grow. We see it in the physical world. But I'm going to tell you right now, all through the scriptures, the, the authors of the Bible use physical examples and allusions all the way through to help us understand the same things are supposed to be happening spiritually. And they do happen spiritually, but we've got to properly identify what that is in our lives. So we created a little chart for you, right? I say we, Matt, Chris, and I, uh, we spent some time talking about what the different stages are, and we got these little charts for you, right? It's right there on your, um, on your seat. And I'm going to preach through it this morning, all right? So that's why it's there, because it's too small for you to read up here, but it's right, the same ones in your pew there. Pew. Your chair. <laughs> Just dated my heritage, right? All right. So 
in it, it talks about the different stages that we go through. It also has uh, how we learn or how we feed, all right, in each different stage. It talks about how we lead and how we teach in each different stage, because even though you may be an infant, you can still teach others, but there's a, there's a commonality in the way that happens. And then how we express it. What does it look like? What's happening in our lives? What does that uh, expression of that look like when we're stuck in one of these stages or we're traveling through one of these stages, okay? So we'll identify each one of those. We'll go through it. Um, this is going to be the premise from what we work from for the next four weeks, well, starting today, the four weeks that we're here. Because what we want you to understand as we go through this is growing is absolutely natural, it's expected, and it's necessary. Growing is natural. You can't get away with it, okay? Just like I said, the only time we stop growing in our physical world is if we're diseased or sick or dying. Outside of that, we're always growing. That's just what happens. And the same thing should happen. But it's not always as obvious. A toddler growing grows way faster than an adult who's already past their 40s, all right? We grow different ways, right? All right, so, and that's frustrating when that's fast, right? So anyways, we have, but we're still growing. We're still shedding dead skin cells, and our brains are still, are still growing in their development all the way till we die, unless we're diseased or malnourished. And so what we want you to do is make sure that you have the tools to make sure that you aren't getting stuck in your faith along the way, just like has happened for 2,000 years in the church. So please understand, if, you've ever get fr- if you ever get frustrated with the church, and if you're in the church long enough, you will, uh, it's normal, and it's okay. It's part of growing, and, and hopefully you'll identify what stage of spiritual development you're in based upon which frustration you're going through. All right, so we're going to start with uh, the baby stage, okay? This is pretty easy to, to understand. How we learn and how we feed is very similar to a baby that's going through that stage. They're 100% dependent okay they have to have someone change them they have to have someone clean them they have to have someone feed them you have to cut up the little things in little bites to make sure they don't choke is it the size of your fingertip or just shove it down there and they'll learn one day you know so we have they're dependent upon whatever the adult however responsible or irresponsible they are they're lucky the recipients of those who are teaching them all right it's the same spiritually all right whatever they're whoever is teaching them is what they're dependent upon Okay? Now, we don't use the language at our church about we're anybody's spiritual father because we're nobody's spiritual father. God is their spiritual father. We're very intentional about that. But some denominations are very intentional about, well, I'm their spiritual father and it's my responsibility to make sure they grow. No, it's not. It's God's responsibility. It's my job to give you the truth of the Word of God. Okay? So, but they're de- a baby's dependent. Then what happens when they, when they lead and when they teach? Well, one other thing I do want to highlight here. Um, and this is, if you have babies, uh, and you're a little baby, I don't mean any disrespect, okay? So, but I am still going to tell the joke. All right, so uh, what happens is our little babies, we take them to the doctor, and they're in the 90th percentile. They're going to be the next linebacker or the next great athlete that's facing, as if the world is going to cooperate with their growth, right? And so, unfortunately, uh, that's not, if that's your baby, please understand life happens. It might happen for you, but it might not. Okay, just be okay with that. But here's what happens in the spiritual realm. We get a spiritual giant baby who grows so fast. And then we put them in charge of stuff and they make a mess. Why? Because then they go over to hear how they lead and teach. They mimic what they see. They, a little baby mimics facial expressions, but very inconsistent. You ever tried to get a baby to cooperate with you when, oh, smile for mommy. <laughs> okay, what? Well, didn't quite work. 
All right, it's the same way in our faith. At this stage, remember the scriptures, Hebrews just talked about, you're still an infant. You're on the milk. Basically, he's saying you're making a mess of the faith. All right, that's what happens when we mimic as a baby, as an infant. We're making messes out of things. We're, we're very limited in scope of only inconsistently repeating what we've heard, and usually it's not even exactly what we heard. It's our understanding of it. So how do we express it? Okay, what's it look like in, in the life of a believer, okay? So some might say, well, I don't want to be a baby anymore. I, good, but you can't bypass it. You have to go through this stage. There's a passage of Scripture in 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Um, it says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. He's identifying sinful behavior. Rid yourself of all that. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You don't have a choice but to grow up in that. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see what happens with the baby is they learn who to identify with. They learn who their caregiver is. They learn where to go when they're in trouble. Safety and security and love, all those things are being formed in that baby. It's absolutely the same way in the spiritual realm. So that's why it's so important that we're always pointing people to God as their father and not as a church as a spiritual entity. There's so much danger when we focus that a church is the father versus God as being our father. We want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. And in that infancy stage, they learn good from evil, right from wrong. Then in Hebrews, who by constant use of right and wrong, they can go on to maturity, all right? But here's what happens in the church, and this has been happening for years in each one of those passages, even as we go through. We don't like to be told what is right and wrong. We, when, we, when churches start teaching the foundational truths of right and wrong, people come on court. Well, that's your truth. That's what you think is right. That's what you think is wrong. Here's what I want you to understand about right and wrong. We don't get to decide what God says is sin. All right? Because here's what happens. If we don't accept as an infant, what God calls sin, then we're never going to accept what Christ said he delivered us from. Let me say that again. If we don't accept what God calls as sin, then we're never going to accept what Christ said he came to deliver us from. That's the, that's the essence of it. And so, so many churches live in this area, and infants live in this area of infancy because they refuse to allow God to be the dictator of what sin is in their life. So the longer you fight God on this, the longer you declare that your sin is not unrighteous, the longer you're going to stay a baby. Like you can't grow until you yield to God being the authority in your life. Until you let God be your father in all things, you're going to be stuck. So that's what, that's what that kind of looks like in that expression. You're just, you've got to be able to allow God to declare what is right and wrong in this world based upon scriptural truth. Once that happens, once we, once we get past that resistance of, of having someone else in charge of what is right and wrong, and we stop making all those arguments and trying to get over that, and we have all the factions, and then we can move on to toddlerhood. <laughs> it's such a big jump, right? So those of you that have, uh, in, have babies and, or children, and you've gone through this, you know that toddlers are still 100% dependent upon you feeding them, okay? Whatever you give them is still what they receive. You can still control their diet. You can still make sure that they get proper nutrition. Uh, they're not usually going over to friends' houses a lot without your control in that experience, okay? Um, they're still very dependent upon you. 
Tarzan, probably the only one that we even have anywhere close to being able to provide for himself, but he was still dependent upon all the jungle animals to help him, right? All right, so he couldn't even make it without someone else helping provide and protect him, all right? So toddlers of the faith still need the church and some spiritual authority to be able to provide for them. And then when they lead and they teach, it's still a mimic, right? So the child, the baby, was inconsistent. Like, you never know what's really going to come out of their mouths, right? Now, as a toddler, it's still inconsistent. It's still a mimic, all right? Um, and it's still just a reflection of whatever they've been taught, all right? And there's a passage of Scripture. Jesus says it. I love this. I love this passage. Um, and uh, Jesus reads it like this in Luke 6, 40. He says, the student is not above the teacher. So in other words, the infant, the toddler, any of us, none of us are above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So that's why we have to understand this is a necessary stage that we have to go through. We have to go through the mimic stage. You can't bypass it. Well, I'm an independent person. I'm not going to repeat. Well, then you're just, you're clearly identifying where you're at. But anyways, um, you have to go through these stages. We mimic what Christ has taught us. That's why we make him our father. When we say we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we baptize you in the direction of the teachings that we want you to follow, which is God, all right? And then when we look at the, the, the expression of what that looks like in a, in a toddler, physically, they have that clumsy trying, you know, um, and they, they fall down and they pop back up and, and nothing ever really stops them. They kind of make a mess of things, but it's really fun to watch because, man, uh, they're just, it's such a joy, and it's the same in the faith. In the faith, they've come to know God, they love Jesus with all their heart and soul and mind, but man, when they put it into practice, they kind of make a mess out of life, but they're really trying, and they're repentant, and they just come back, and they're like, man, I screwed up, and it's okay, and we're really patient at this stage. Why? Because we're patient with our kids, because it's cute. It's part of the stages. Even if they're a grown-up, and they're still making those mistakes, if they're new to the faith, we're usually pretty gentle with it. Now, if we've been a Christian for 30 years, and we're still clumsy, tr clumsily trying to get around, then you probably got stuck somewhere in the way, and that's for the future services. Once we go through toddlerhood, then we get to our childhood, okay? Once we get into our childhood, um, it looks a little bit different. We're still 100% dependent, okay? But this is where our preferences kick in, and this is where defiance starts, okay? Um, this is when people first start leaving the church, all right? Because this is what happens. All of you that have kids, you know they go over to their friend's house and all of a sudden, they want something different fed to them. Yeah, but my friends, they have this in their cupboards. And all of a sudden, they want all these things that we've protected them from because we want them to grow up and be healthy individuals. And now they go off to their friend's house and they eat crap and then they come back and they think we're going to load it up. And, that, and they're subject to whatever we put in front of them, but they resist it. I'm not going to eat it. Go to your room, go to bed hungry. I don't care. All right? You're getting this. And so what happens in church, we do the same thing. We start whining and moaning. Why? Because we go off to other churches and we see what other people are doing. We're like, I like that. I'm, I'm leaving your church because I'm not getting fed anymore. They know just enough to know how to spiritualize their plate of food that they're being delivered by your church. That's okay. Why? Because it's part of growth. But when we do that, it's just identifying where you're at. I mean, that's just the truth of the nature, right? So how do they lead and how do they teach? It's kind of messy, right? When a, they're still contingent upon 
um, what's given to them, but they're getting to the point where they can now start putting it together, even spiritually. They can start putting lessons together, but a lot of it's disjointed, um, and it's out of order, maybe, and it's out of context, even. And so at this stage, um, a good example physically is if you have any children and they've ever made you breakfast in bed, and they're, they're so cute, and they come in and they have the platter there, and, and it's toast um, lathered in jelly and eggs that, not even sure they turned the oven on, uh, when, or the stovetop on when they were cooking them, but you eat it, and you're like, oh, it smells good, and then they leave, and it's like, Bleh. and you're like, oh, thank you, kiddos, and then you go out to the kitchen, and you're like, oh, thanks, kiddos, that was so nice of you, because we don't want to crush their spirit at that stage. They were trying to do something nice, and it's the same way that happens in the church. We give, they start doing things, but sometimes they make a mess out of it. It's a great expression of what they're doing, but, and they're having fun doing it, all right? They're having fun in the midst of it, and, and they're discovering more about God, which is the, how we express it. And they were, having fun making, they were having fun making breakfast for mom and dad, but the messes that they were making along the way, they just weren't quite aware of. And that happens in the church. But we have to allow people to go through those fun stages of discovery because if we don't, we, we can easily hurt them, all right? And so as, as a... If you've been in church very long, you might notice, well, why do they get to get away with that and, and I don't? Well, it might be because we know that that person is a child in their faith and we have to allow them to have a little bit of a mess while you're an adult and if you make that same daggum mess, shame on you, all right? And so we have a different expectation based upon what stage and what level of maturity you're in in your own faith. Does that make sense? Is that, are you tracking with me on this? Each stage has different expressions of how that looks in their, um, in their spiritual life. So childhood naturally leads to our teen years. I love our teen years, all right? Uh, but before we get to our teen years, I do just want to uh, remind you historically that the church um, has been uh, very adept at getting people to the childlike part of their faith. And there's a passage of scripture that kind of helps us identify that, and it's 1 Corinthians 13. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. You can't bypass childhood, even if you're an adult. You have to go through the phases of childhood uh, uh, in your faith. It's just part of that development stage. Will you make a mess? 100%. It's just part of the stages. And it's okay. God is patient during that phase. All right? Will you get mad at things? 100%. All children do, and it's okay. Why? Because it's part of the, the stages of development. And as they go through that, they get to the teen years. And any of you that have raised teenagers, you know um, how they feed and how they learn. They're no longer 100% dependent upon you, and they're more than likely told you how undependent they are of you, all right? And they're beginning to push against you. They're, they're pushing the boundaries. They, they're establishing their own, their own set of identity. They want, they want away from you, all right? That's part of growth. You can't, you can't just put boundaries around them and, and not let them experience those things, okay? They're, they're going to push the limits. They can now go to the store and buy. If they have a job, they can go buy what they want, all right? It's, it's a little bit easier for them to be able to be more independent than before. But they're still semi-dependent, and you know they are. But they're going to push against you, all right? How do they teach? In opinionated ignorance, all right? They have an opinion. Uh, it's just usually ignorant of the real big picture, right? If you, 
had a, a conversation with a, an opinionated teenager for very long, you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? But it happens in the church as well, not contingent upon physical age, okay? I'm just giving you an example of physical age because if you've been a parent of a teenager, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What you may not be aware of is the fact that if you're stuck in the teen years of your spiritual development, you don't realize how opinionatedly ignorant you are either. But you may not be aware of the fact you have to go through that. All right. So here's, here's an example of what that looks like. Um, I, I, in my book that I, I wrote, I've got a little stick figure that's jumping up and down upon the cross. And this is where a teen learns how close they can get to sin without being smacked by God, all right? And so what we do in our relationship with God is we learn how close to sin can I really get? What's really right or wrong? And they try to get as close to it as possible. So if you find yourself kind of trying to get as close to sin without getting burned as you can, you're probably in your teen years. If you're claiming that the grace of Christ is amazing, which it is, but it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want, but in the teen years it does, then you're stuck in your teen years, okay? And uh, what that looks like, there's a passage of scripture that I want to read as we, as we talk about that. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24. It says, I have the right to do anything. This is kind of what a teen will say in their spiritual development. Yes, uh, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything. Yes, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. This is where we get to teach people, it's not about what you want, it's about what God has designed you to do for other people. Stuck in our teen years, we become very aware of how amazing Christ's grace is in our lives. And we realize just how, how much we can do, and it's not going to erase your salvation. It, you can move to a horribly sinful lifestyle, but then come back to God and God will forgive you. And, and unfortunately, people get stuck there as well. We kind of, um, grace-filled churches oftentimes experience this. This is where uh, the expression of it is, we call it haphazard exercise. Um, uh, this is where maybe that person lives in a life of sin. They run off, they go do whatever they want to do in their sinful world. Uh, they get convicted somewhere along the line. They come back to church, get a little bit of Jesus, they get all fixed up, and then they go back out and they do the same thing all over again. Then they get convicted, oh man, I made a mess out of my life. Yeah, you did, <laughs> kind of saw that one coming. But because Jesus is great, they come back to church because they know where the truth is. They don't leave the church, they just don't attend the church. You know what I'm saying? They go do whatever they want until they get caught or something bad happens and they come back, they get fixed, and they go back out and do it all over again. That's kind of the teen years. Or it's kind of like the, the individual where the opinionated ignorance is, it's that gym rat that goes to the gym and they do all, they think all they've got is arms and chest, right? And then they've got like these chicken legs. And uh, they forget that there's a whole body that they need to be exercising. But they have all the knowledge in the world to be able to know how to pump up their biceps. But they forgot their triceps. Or they have huge pecs, but their back is way out of whack and they never work their lats. So there's, you can have a lopsided individual and that's kind of like what happens in the teen years. We become very opinionated about one thing but we kind of forget the rest. And that's the same way, spiritually speaking, as well. But you can't get around it. You have to go through these stages. So if you know someone, all right, and, and as you're going through this, please, please understand, this is for you to judge yourself, not someone else, okay? This is for you to identify your stage. If you're judging someone else, you're also identifying what stage you're in. All right, so... So then we go on to the young adult stage, all right? So you can't, and this, I love this stage. Um, 
and I, I really do, I've got three girls that are going off to college and they're, they're entering this phase, um, and I'm becoming much more aware of how difficult this transition uh, can be in everybody's life. Um, and so what happens is, th- as they learn, they become very independent and self-righteous, okay? Independent and self-righteous, what does that mean? All right, they no longer need you. All right, they are perfectly capable of preparing their own meals. They're perfectly capable of getting their own job. They're perfectly capable of buying their own house. They can do everything independent of you. They don't need you anymore. Now, the self-righteous comes in, and sometimes they remind you of how much they don't need you anymore and how wrong you've been your entire life, all right? So, they, they, because they're, but they're educated. Here's the thing with young adults, is they know how to articulate their opinions. It's no longer just opinionated ignorance. It's an informed preference. They know how to create an argument. They know how to defend their beliefs. They know how to put together a meal, spiritually speaking, and put you in your place so they think. Okay? Now, we live here in this moment a lot when we get to the place where we can move out on our own. And it is okay. You have to get here. There's a... um, I'll just tell you what the other stages and what it looks like in systematic solidifying. That's where that, the, the young adult begins to put it into practice so that they can be a better, more complete expression as they understand it, based upon their preferences, as they understand it in correlation to God's Word. Right? So they're solidifying the very faith that you've trained in them, and they're trying to put it into practice. Just like if we have raised our kids to be adults, they're pushing against you, and they're going out on their own, and they want to be dependent upon their own, and they're putting into practice everything that you have taught them, all right? It's the same thing here. They're putting together the truths of the Word of God in a systematic way to bring truth to the world. Now, let's see how that kind of looks, and I've got two passages here. The first one is how they feed and how they learn. If anyone teaches other doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness... He is conceited, understanding nothing. Now, I want to stop right there real quick. Um, Understand in the young adult, they live here. They think that they're addressing the the false doctrines that exist because they're reading it, and they don't don't want to put up with it anymore. They've got to stand for the truth. But in the process of doing that, they often become become conceited, the self-righteousness. The very thing that they're fighting against is the very thing that begins to cloud their own vision okay does that make sense but they can't avoid it like we can't avoid this process happening within us they understand nothing they have a sick interest in disputes and arguments over words not that anybody you know don't go on social media all right keep going from these come envy quarreling slander evil suspicions Uh, (laughs) i could go on and on about this in that transition from adulthood to young adulthood barring spiritual discussions okay and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. Now, there's a, there's a process here that I want you to begin to understand. Is in that mind of the young person, they have great intentions and motives, but it can manifest itself in very self-righteous behavior, causing all kinds of quarrels and arguments and divisions. We just have to understand that it's going to happen. And it's okay. Remind, just get that in your mind. Every stage is okay. You can't, you can't tell someone not to do it. It's part of their development, which gets into that systematic uh, process, which goes to 2 Timothy 4. Preach the word, 
be prepared in season and out of season. Okay, that's that systematic way. You're, you're preparing yourself. And oftentimes, young adults, they're very prepared in what it is that they want to end their preferences. They have a very logical explanation as to why they believe what they believe and why they want to push against you. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. This is where those who are mature can come alongside of the young adult and help them remember with great patience. Great patience is not the greatest thing in the young adult's world. They need it now, and they want to make things better now, okay? And if you, don't, if you haven't seen that, or, then you may still be there. All right, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, their informed preferences. So they're going to go where they're going to get someone to teach them the same things that they want to hear. Why? Because no student is greater than their teacher. There comes a time in our lives, physically, where our children have to leave because we're no longer able to give them more than what we already have. And that's okay. All right? When my kids go off to college, they're learning things that I never learned. All right? I couldn't teach them those things. They have to go explore. All that we have to trust is that by the time they get here, we have given them the foundational tools so that they can systematically create their own independence. And it is absolutely necessary that they go through that stage. Okay? It's, it's impossible not to go through it. And then it gets us to the adult stages. All right? And so as we get to adulthood, um, how we learn is independent and balanced. All right? Um, we don't need someone else to feed us. We can go to the Word of God. We can put together our own spiritual meals. We can learn everything. We can, we, it's balanced. We don't just go to our informed preferences. It's not just about what I want to believe. I, I'll study other people's beliefs so I can get a better view and understanding of what people believe. I may still think they're wrong, which is informed humility, but I realize that I could be wrong because they think I'm wrong too. Do you understand? So um, like in our, in, our, in our staff, we have people from Pentecostalism, we have Presbyterian, we have Baptist, we have non-denominational, I have United Brethren and Pentecostalism in me. I've, we have a smattering of everything. And, and we, we all have our opinions, we all have informed opinions. We could all argue profusely our, the defense of our, of our ideas. Even when it comes to baptism, not all those denominations agree upon baptism. But you want to know what? I love our staff because we don't argue about that. We realize that I'm right and they're all wrong. It's great. <laughs> I'm just joking. We, we realize that there, we all could be wrong. It's probably a semblance of truth in the midst of all of it. So we, we work together in a balanced and independent way. And then we put it into expression and in how it, it, it comes across in our teaching. So I want to give you the passages that go along with each one. How do we, how do we learn when we're at the adult stage? Because this is the goal. This is where you want to move to. Brothers and sisters... I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this. That's that balance. When you're an adult, you realize, man, there's always, there's always someone bigger, better, faster, stronger than all of us. It's, and smarter. I'll throw smarter in there. We realize as an adult, I don't have to be the expert on everything. There's other people that are experts on it. Okay? I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, all of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. I realize what God has put me on this earth for, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature. See, remember, we're going from infancy to maturity. All of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. 
And if on some point, I love how he says this, if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. If on some point you disagree about baptism, God will make it clear. But until that day, you're mature, live up to what you have already attained. We know we need to be baptized. How? Just get baptized. Okay? Don't argue about it. You, you know the resurrection of the dead is going to happen. When? Ah, I don't know. Talk to someone different than me because you're probably going to disagree with me. I might even, I've changed my opinion throughout the years so many times. I now know what I really think I believe. But if you would have asked me 20 years ago, I would have given you an entirely different answer. Why? Because I was, it was all based upon my learning at the time. Okay? I knew we were going to rise from the dead at some point in time, but now I have an understanding that's different. Why? Because I, it's based upon learning. That's what happens when we're an adult. It goes to how we, how we express that then, how we teach it. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. You're not always going to be right. Um, I was just wrong the other day, twice in the same day. Man, it was frustrating. <laughs> really bothered me. And my kids are always so, I love how the fact they push back on me now. They'll call me out on it. It's really funny. It's Stacy's dream. Uh, it's, uh, they'll, it's really fun because if they'll push back on me, it's beautiful. And then I'll and thank God for Google to prove me wrong all the time. Man, I hate that. Um, but anyways, it's fun to get to this stage. But you can't admit you're wrong if you think you're always right. All right? Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. When we're an adult, we realize who we are in Christ. This is where we want to get to. We don't have to be someone else. I am simply who God has made me. And I want to be the best expression of his love on this earth while I can. And then what that looks like, how do we do that? How do you teach when you're an adult? What is it going to look like in your faith? What do you, if you're an adult, what would be evidenced in your life right now? You'll be equipping people for works of service. You're going to be teaching people so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And here's what I want to say about unity. Unity is not agreement. Unity does not mean that you agree with everybody on anything. It means, it means that you work together in a unified front. You can have disagreements, but if you allow your disagreements to divide you, then you're walking in infancy. An adult will walk together in unity regardless of disagreement. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that you don't give up on your opinion. You're just humble in your opinion again, remember? All right. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what we're being pushed towards, is being complete in Christ, growing in our faith. Then we will no longer be infants. I love the wording. Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. When you're in the infancy, you hear one teacher teach this and another teacher and back and forth and this church and that church and this teaching and that teaching and it's all truth and you can't discover the truth because you're still an infant. As you get more mature, remember, by constant use, you can discover good from evil, right? Who by every, And by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. That's false teachers. There's people out there to deceive you. We want to give you the tools and help you understand that through the understanding of the Word of God, you can understand who He is. Because Christ, as this passage closes out, says, instead of speaking the, tr instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow, we will grow, to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. Not the church, Christ is the head of church. We are maturing in Christ. That's what we want you to get to the point of. All right? 
So as you leave here this morning, you are somewhere in this graph. All right? You might vacillate between one or two of the points, but you won't be an adult and an infant at the same time. You might be in a toddler and an infant at once. You might be an adult and a young adult, or a young adult and a teen, but you won't have great degrees of deviation. Find out where you're at. Find out which one it is. Keep coming back for the next three weeks. We're going to continue to uncover different elements and, and give you tools to continue to move beyond the stage that you're in. We just want you to be inspired to want to grow. There's so much more to what God has designed us for. He's, he's put it within you through His Spirit. And I put together a little a saying here just to, to close on, um, just to, to leave you with some encouragement. Because if you find yourself as a Christian of, of 30 years and you might be a toddler, just don't get discouraged, okay? Don't quit. Don't, don't condemn yourself. Just for all of us in the room, set maturity as your target, all right? Set maturity as your target. Foster desire and disciplines to grow spiritually. You're in control of that. You're the only one that can foster the discipline. No one else is going to make you sit down and read the Bible. No one else is going to make you believe that God is who he says he is. You're going to have to create that desire within you. Be humble along the path. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make messes. You're going you're to mess up along the way. Be humble along the way. You're going to be wrong. That's Google. All right? <laughs> be kind to yourself along the journey. Man, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. You're, you're not that perfect. Christ is the only perfect one that's existed. Give yourself a break. Don't allow yourself, if God convicts you, then change. But don't condemn yourself. Don't shame yourself. Don't guilt yourself. Give yourself freedom to experience the fullness of Christ. Enjoy the process, not the destination. Because the destination is eternity. And the process is our life. All right, the destination is eternity. As we sing about it, we will be with God someday. But if that's all you're living for, you're going to miss a lot of life. And you're going to miss all the opportunities that God gives you to express Him to this world around you. So enjoy yourself along the way. Enjoy the process. Because you only have one shot at this. We get to be an expression of the glory of God while we live on this earth. Enjoy it. Let's pray. God, you are an awesome God. And Lord, we are so grateful that you are infinitely patient along the way with us. God, forgive us for our humanity and the fact that, Lord, we do get stuck in stages. And Lord, we make messes when we're in some of these stages. But God, you're, you're, your parenting is so far beyond our mess as children. So God, thank you for that. Thank you for covering over a multitude of sins with the greatest love that mankind has ever known. God, help us to love you more. Help us to want and to desire you and maturity in our lives to follow you in more complete ways from this day forward. Lord, inspire that within us. Lord, whatever is true here this morning, seal it up in our hearts and whatever has been false, let it fall by the wayside. But Lord, most importantly, may each of us become a greater reflection of the fullness of Christ in our lives. We love you, Jesus. Amen.